This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, I, I think I can actually relate to an NFL GM in one aspect. I know Danny's skeptical right off the top here. Um, Let me say it this way, Danny. I think I can, not in, and as far as an NFL GM excels at something, but I think I can relate right now to how an NFL GM might mismanage the draft because I currently have so much info in front of me right now. I mean, I have so many reports and rumors in mock drafts and data and notes and quotes in front of me uh, from all the insiders over the last three months that I'm pretty much walking paralysis by analysis right now. I, I am mismanagement of this Cardinals Underground pre-draft edition brought to you by Pacific Office Automation just waiting to happen. It's just add water here on Cardinals Underground. Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, and yours truly, Paul Calvisi. I mean, I, I have too much stuff, so much stuff. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say next. I don't know what direction. Other than to say that I do concur with Jonathan Gannon's quote that he can't wait to see J- Monty Ford work those phones on Thursday night. Is that why you weren't in Norman, Oklahoma, because you were still doing all this research and all this prep? You know what? And you're right, to my own detriment. You're absolutely right. Instead of actually getting away from it and having some perspective and coming up, what's, what's the line from Friday Night Lights? Uh, clear eyes. Full hearts can't lose. There you oh, go. Oh, the Texas girl's going to know that. There you go. Of course the Texas inner just came out. By the way, that book was excellent. I never, I saw the movie. It's a book? I never saw the TV show, but the... The, uh, All I've seen is a TV show. The book was awesome. I made it like 30 minutes in the movie. Yes. Didn't like it. Loved the TV show. You, t- you did? Okay. I, I don't can't know. believe you didn't read the book. The book was what? Never mind. Okay. So I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie about 14 times. And, <laughs> and, 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 the, and the TV show, I actually uh, binge watched the entire thing every single episode during COVID. Look at you, Paul. Wow. And and I thought I thought the TV show was actually very well done. It, of course, I had very low expectations going in, but that's uh, well done, Danny, and the whole uh, you know the whole Texas thing and re- remembering that right off the top. So, where do you want to start right here? I mean, the latest mock drafts, the latest report. I mean, the Reddit report that Will Levis could go number one overall. If there isn't any better indication that we're all ready for Thursday night and draft night, I, I think that's got to be it there. Have you, in all the years covering, have you ever, getting ready for a draft, either of you heard about a player's odds about where they're going to be drafted stem from Reddit? Is this a first? First of all, I've seen more odds this year than I have on anything, which we all know why that is now, especially around the NFL. But no, I haven't. But uh, recently, in case, you know, we we had a 21-year-old reservist get arrested because... He somehow, even though he was only in the reserves, got access to all these highly oh. classified documents and then leaked and was 25 guys on his little chat room that got out to the world. So I can believe that Reddit would spring. The odds. difference is that guy somehow had top security clearance. My key card still won't get me, get me into the war room. Okay, I can't get anywhere near an NFL draft board. Somehow that 21-year-old had top security clearance. That's a good point. For national security. I, does I don't does he know that. why Will Levis is moving up the draft board? It's just crazy to me. We are two days out from the first night of the draft, and there's still what feels like so many different ideas of how the first, I don't even want to say five picks, the first two or three picks are going to pan out in the draft this year. It just feels like more so than than recent years of just so many different thoughts. I agree, although I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, I think the Cardinals are going to try hard to trade at three, but let's say they don't trade at three. And 
would I be totally shocked if it went Bryce Young one, Texans take C.J. Stroud, Cardinals end up taking Will Anderson, and then we're all like, oh, well, what was all the point of those last three weeks then? Exactly what we all predicted in February. <laughs> Is that what right. you're saying? It just comes full circle? Well, it would make sense. Now, within a couple hours of this broadcast, we have a consensus. That's the word that Frank Reich used with the media. Consensus has been reached in the Carolina War Room. Now, he's not telling you who they're going to pick, but he is saying they have reached a decision on the number one pick. So, okay. I mean, Carolina better. As uh, the GM said just recently, they decided that, you know, it was time to stop with the Band-Aid QB solutions year by year and all those signings. And in his words, it was time to rip the Band-Aid off. So they go ahead. And we and know they, how painful that can be, Paul. And they trade all the way to number one, and they get the guy. We figure it's going to be Bryce Young. By the way, did you hear Steve Sarkeesian, who was his offensive coordinator at Alabama, now a Texas head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, he called Bryce Young Steph Curry on grass. That's what he called Bryce That's Young. a pretty high compliment. So I'm thinking that guy, Steph Curry on grass, goes number one. Number two, I think Houston is definitely responsible for all the noise and all the misdirection that's been out there Jerks. for the last three-plus weeks. Everything from Will Levis going number two to Will Levis going number one to they're going to take Will Anderson. No, maybe they're going to take Tyree Wilson. No, maybe they're going to take the edge rusher at two and then trade with the Cardinals at three, moving from 12 all the way up to three to get the quarterback as they're all in for D'Amico Ryans. Although, I will a quick side note, yep. as long as you brought up Will Levis and the Panthers— and and read it. Uh, I saw one of the things Frank Reich said in the press conferences is he, we made our decision. And then somebody said, can you say when you made your decision? He said last night about eight o'clock. And somebody said that was right about the time the Reddit guy posted. <laughs> so I'm and the guy was joking in his tweet. And he said, I'm so I'm starting to believe these conspiracy theories. Will Levis, number one. Well, three days earlier when the GM did his press conference, he told the media with a straight face, Scott Fitterer, he told the media that he had yet to ask his head coach who he wanted number one overall. You're a week out from the draft. No you way. haven't even consulted you that? with your head. Nobody believed that, but he said it with a Here's, straight face. The thing is, is and I, I'm old enough to remember, and as is Paul and Danny, absolutely is not. Heck yeah. uh, we're old enough to remember those days when uh, there would be discussions, especially before there was a... Um, a, a slotted system for rookie contracts yeah and it was a little bit more complicated mm -hmm. the whole thing was if you had the number one pick you were allowed to if you you were allowed to start negotiating with your player before the draft to get that process started because it was so difficult and and now because of the slotting and because of tv because the nfl does not want anybody not paying attention to the draft especially the number one pick now you can't really say it anymore. But, yeah, I remember those days when it's like, oh, such and such has the number one pick, and they're talking to, you know, the, the Falcons are talking to Michael Vick, and yep. they're going to try and get him signed, and we're three days yeah. out. Yeah. Well, Frank Reich did say that 8 o'clock Eastern on Thursday night, that's when everyone will know the Carolina Panthers pick because Roger Goodell has made it very well known with these teams over the last few years. Thou shalt not leak the number one pick overall because you want it to be a surprise at least an official surprise they've got snipers in every facility night. let me let me ask you this with the with the panthers in this situation first overall pick you know who you're taking considering the fact they traded up to have that first pick so they're not going to trade out how do you feel about teams using the full time when they're on the clock in a position like that I know Darren feels some type of way. No, I feel some type of way. But I Well, it's it's their chance to market their team yes, for ten exactly minutes. What it is. It's to have all the talking heads discuss yes, their team, give them what their flowers, Danny, is that appropriate use of that term? Give the their team that fl their flowers for the Good ten job. minutes, right? But but ultimately the thing is is this year, unlike some other years where it feels like those first few picks, oh, we kinda know what direction everybody's going. I think the Texans are going to take their full, full 10. I think the Cardinals are going to take their full 10. I, I, I think that we'll, we'll see what happens with the Colts. But, like, there's going to be a lot of teams using their full right. complement. And thank goodness. Well, see, I shouldn't even say that. Like, I'm a kind of excited because, okay, still the Cardinals are picking third. But if they trade down to 11, that's a, already a long day, especially for you two. Well, you're definitely in front of a, a crowd 
thinking you got, might go at three and then you got to wait another two hours until 11. That'll be fun for you. Maybe there'll be a Suns playoff <laughs> game that can, that can get me through on nope. one of the adjacent big screens. No, they're going to close it out in they'll, five. They'll Is that close what you're it saying? out after this recording uh, tonight. Here's what Monty said at the end of the pre-draft presser. Monty Asifor, Cardinals GM, quote, we know where we want to go. We just want to reserve the time for in case there's a call with an offer. All the evaluations have been done. They know exactly who they're going to take if they are indeed making the selection. But they want to maximize the time, especially where the Cardinals are at number three, not in need of a quarterback. Who's going to make them an offer that potentially they cannot Smart. refuse? And honestly, show of hands here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Who thinks the Cardinals are going to trade out? Oh, we have just, a... How like, often do the three of us agree on something? Just like Frank Reich, we have another consensus going on right now. We all raised our hands, for those of you who can't see us, which is all of you. So <laughs> how, how, how far down, Danny? Work with me, Danny, over here. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a little bit of hostility which is here. all oh, of you. Okay. Um, <laughs> how, okay, Danny, so then you fill in the blank here. With whom and how far down and what in return? Go! Oh, boy. Yep, not so easy, is it? No. I Look, like we, we've talked about Tennessee and, and what that would take and, and the haul, and I think we all agree we would be in favor of dropping that low from 3 to 11, probably not lower than that. I still feel like something could happen out of the blue. Like I, I feel like something with Vegas or something like we're not really talking about could could oh, the be. Raiders. Sorry. Uh, I don't uh, – like, we're going to go to Vegas? Like, to I, bet something? No, we're lie. not allowed to bet, Darren. Yeah, uh, trust me, I know. But I, I feel like maybe – How did a half dozen more NFL players not know? Sorry, Danny, go uh, ahead. Also employees. <laughs> you didn't see that part, did yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? There were all other employees that also lost their jobs. I just uh. – I, I think to be at three, obviously swapping first-round picks, you have to get a two and maybe a four this year. And something high next year. I, I, I guess it would depend on again if you're talking to like eleven. Yeah, I mean, if if they switch with the Colts, and they're only moving the one, you know, if you're willing to give me a second, I saw Daniel Jeremiah say even if they were willing to give a third, I'd make that switch because I agree you'll still get you, the player you still you get want. something benefit. Why wouldn't you? Um, you know, any, you know, again, I, I think it also, I think it dramatically changes what your outlook is depending on where you drop. Let's say they trade down, let's say they trade down to seven. You're still probably getting a Witherspoon or a Gonzalez. Maybe a Wilson, probably not, but maybe. Um, if you trade down to 11, you might have lost all those defensive players, and now you're probably talking about an offensive lineman. That's what I would think. On the other hand, if four quarterbacks go in the top 10 and you're sitting at 11, then guess what? There are still only six position players that have gone so far, so you're still getting one of those Yeah, but you'd be talking about, you're probably talking about Anderson, Wilson, Gonzalez, Witherspoon. That's four of the six. You still Paris have Johnson. Wilson, but he's offensive. I'm talking about oh, the D, top okay. defense. I'm talking right. about those key defensive guys that you okay. might be willing to like – slot as a as a number one cornerback or a, or a number one edge rusher and you know what's interesting a lot of the talk about the cardinals maybe swapping spots with indianapolis has died down that actually makes me think it's more likely because no one's only thing being leaked right now is misinformation is disinformation if there's reality to it it's probably not being reported because you wouldn't think nobody's really sharing that they're only sharing the noise Where's and the Bruce misdirection. Need them. Exactly. Dennis Green. <laughs> yes. And, and and so you haven't seen a lot of that, but you have seen other like for example, here's one that NFL.com threw out. I don't know if there was any reports to this effect, but Atlanta's a sleeper coming for a quarterback at number three. And so the Cardinals would drop to number eight. And in return, they would net two key picks. They get uh, top half around two and top half around three. And so boom, you would go from three to eight. But you would get a top of round two, which could be a starting corner. This draft is so deep in corners. You can get one top of round two. And then you could get that offensive lineman or defensive tackle at top round three, who could be a viable starting candidate right from the get-go, or at least compete for playing time. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that would be something definitely worth considering if you're the Cardinals. And I, I agree. I think two of 
a trade like that, which you would pretty much probably just get picks this year, I still think that if DeAndre Hopkins is going to get traded, it's going to happen soon. And that, to me, could be a way you get future draft picks is through that trade. So if the Cardinals were to trade down and do something like that with the Falcons and you're only getting picks this year, that's okay with me because you can still plan ahead for the future with a possible Hopkins trade. See, I think the the noise at number two in some of this jackassery, if I can, that's going on out there comes from Houston messing with Indianapolis. That's and, possible. And ultimately messing with Tennessee because all three need a quarterback and they're all in the same division. So when they're messing with the whole Will Levis thing, I'm guessing the Colts have designs in Will Levis. Houston yeah, but knows how would it. they know that, though? Houston, well, Houston surmises that Indianapolis wants themselves some Will Levis. So that's how a week ago at this time, Will Levis was now all of a sudden maybe going number two. And now as of this recording, he's maybe now going number one. So I, I just think something's going on behind the scenes between like a Nick Casario and a Chris Ballard maybe messing around with a Rand Carthon. Because if Houston thinks it's going to go Will Anderson at two and then get a QB at 12, no, because Tennessee's sitting ahead of them at 11. I know that I've been saying – it's all smoke. The Texans don't take a quarterback because it's clearly a need for them. What if they don't feel that great about either of these, any of these quarterbacks to take it to? What if they really don't take a quarterback and they're just banking on the fact they'll have a high enough pick next year and they, or they'll trade up and they'll figure it out next year? Or, or Nick Casario is really sale agreeable 2834 on Reddit. <laughs> that's the guy who posted that's it. The guy. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> that's, I mean... Well, okay, so 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 now you have more confidence that Houston will probably be in the top five again next year. They will if or, they don't get a quarterback. Yep. Yeah. What about Seattle though? So Seattle is at number that's, five. That's Seattle to me, I feel like if they don't feel like the quarterback they want is there at five, a lot of people are projecting Jalen Carter to Seattle. I could see that. But I also feel like if Houston shakes this up somehow and they don't take a quarterback at two who's to say Seattle doesn't take a quarterback of who they want is still there well I do they somehow garner I mean the only person that'd be willing to trade at that point would be with the Cardinals to get ahead of the Colts if that's what happens with Houston see I don't I don't see the Cardinals and the Seahawks doing a deal unless the Seahawks overpaid now which I don't know they would after just re-signing Geno Smith. Well, here, here's the other thing that I just read, which was interesting from uh, uh, one of the Seattle writers, was making the point that if they stay at five where that draft pick is slotted, they use up, I think they only have like $7 million in cap space, and they have to use up $6 million on it just for that spot. Wow. So they may be forced to trade down just – to not mess, not have to mess with our hmm. cap too much. It'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. I think um, if the Seahawks find, a, I mean, that's what everybody's been saying. Well, you've got Geno Smith for the next year or two. You could take a guy like Richardson, and he could fill out. But again, when we're talking about this, we're all on the outside saying, well, we like how this fits this team. We like how the Seahawks fit with with Richardson because. They've got Geno Smith, and they have time to work on him and get him ready. By the and then by the time Geno's contract's up, we've got this new guy. But we don't know if if Anthony Richardson really fits what they want to do. If they really like him, it it becomes this thing. And and this is one of the problems with mock drafts. It's real easy to slip into. Well, this team needs this, so I'm going to give them this guy because it fits my mock draft more than knowing if they even like him. I mean, it's like the Will Anderson stuff. Will Anderson is probably the safest pick in a lot of ways, although I remember lots of safe picks that turn out to be not much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and now everybody's now what everybody likes to say is, well, Will Anderson's ceiling is only so high. It's Tyree Wilson who's got really the, the all-star stuff. Pete Prisco, fellow Sun Devil that he is, although older than me, believes that Will Anderson is really good, but he doesn't think he's Von Miller. He doesn't think he's Miles Garrett. He thinks he's a solid pass rusher who can get you 10 sacks a year. Pete Prisco might be talking with Mel Kuyper because that's Mel Kuyper's counter report. Good, Will Anderson, but not Von Miller, yeah. not Miles Garrett. Doesn't have that bend, that sort of athleticism. I don't have that bend either, An explosion off the edge. <laughs> hey, I, look, the Cardinals put out the draft notes in the recent draft history at number three. 
Just as a reminder, defensive lineman at number three overall, 2017 Solomon Thomas. Sorry, Niners. Yeah, Deion Jordan, 2013. Marcel mm. Darius, 2011. Mm. Gerald McCoy, mm, okay, he was 2010. Solid. He played yeah. for some bad teams, though. So, I mean, Quinn and Williams, most recently, 2019. Good player. So, you know, look, nothing is an absolute. I guess with Seattle, here's what I would say to the Seattle writer is, we don't know what they think of Anthony Richardson, but we do know they have Geno Smith on a glorified one-year deal. What are you doing at quarterback? And when is Seattle going to be this close to the top five ever again to get an elite quarterback prospect? The only reason they're this close is because they have Denver's pick. So what do you do at number five? And by the way, if they're thinking about Jalen Carter, they also had the Robert Kindici experience themselves for a cup of coffee. And they just cut L.J. Collier, who was a first-round pick recently, who signed with the Cardinals. They've been there with Malik McDowell, who was a complete bust in the first Oof, round out of Michigan State once upon a time. List. So I would be a little apprehensive. You, you, you've touched that hot burner before without an oven mitt if you're John Schneider when it comes to defensive linemen. At number five overall, and that sort of background and off-the-field red flags for Jalen Carter, I, I'm guessing no. I, I don't think Seattle goes that direction just based on past swings and misses. Well, and on the TV behind you on NFL Network, right now they're showing a on the live taping Bucky Brooks's le- latest mock draft. He just had Christian Gonzalez going to Seattle at five. So who knows? So now you get Legion of Boom 2.0. You put Tariq Woolen with Christian Gonzalez. Yep. And then that slot corner they took in the middle of last year's draft, Kobe Bryant, he was really good. I mean, that would be an excellent secondary combined with their safeties. I mean, I hate to say it, and this really pains me because a year ago at this time, I, I was really reveling in using the words last place Seahawks. But what the Cardinals truly need to do in this draft is to replicate what the Seahawks did in last year's draft, where they end up with two starting offensive tackles. They ended up with arguably the best running back in the division right now. They ended up with a Pro Bowl caliber corner in round five in Tariq Woolen. They got Kobe Bryant. I mean, they absolutely crushed last year's draft class. They did. That's, so what, that's you, what the Cardinals need to do this year. You think the Cardinals should take an offensive lineman, a tackle? If they end up at seven from the Raiders or they end up you know, later in, in, the, in the first 10 to 11 picks, yeah. If Paris Johnson, who is it, Albert Breer is reporting that Kyler Murray has made it known that he likes himself some Paris Johnson out let, of Ohio State. Well, let me ask you this. What, what exactly do you do if you draft Paris Johnson, who has been playing left tackle? Do you move? Because what I saw online was that you put Johnson at left tackle, you move DJ Humphreys over to right tackle. And then what are you doing with Kelvin Beecham? Well, what are you doing with, with Josh Jones? Like, with all due respect to Kelvin Beecham. But but is that is that what the plan is? I I don't think there is a plan because you're also that kind of thinking assumes that they already know they're definitely taking Paris Johnson. Whereas I don't think they can know that at this point. You can again, what you should be doing, and it's been a little bit more difficult this off season. What you should be doing is lining up and filling as many holes as you can now, and then that gives you your flexibility in the draft to take the better player even if you're, you're running over some stuff. I mean, to me, if you feel like you can find a long-term true left tackle at three, and they, to me, if you're picking them at three, you better. Now, maybe if you're picking them at seven or whatever, it's a, it's a little bit different, but still. Um, I mean, I don't know if DJ would play right tackle. I, that would be fascinating. There have been a number of left tackles that have come into the league uh, that have, were left tackles in college. They start their career at right tackle and then move over to left side. Um, and I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, I think you need to get him on the field if you're drafting him that early. Josh Jones, you had your chance to win over everybody, and you, you were okay. You did a, a solid job, but you didn't do enough to make us not draft a tackle or in the first round, and let's see what you can do at left guard. Here's the thing. Paris Johnson, Ohio State, second-team All-American, 6'6", 313, his sophomore year. He started all 13 games at right guard for Ohio State. Last year, second-team All-American at left tackle. There you go. Could he come in and be your starting left guard? For the short term. For the least. short term. Or I does mean, look he, at Leonard does he Davis. Go out, does, he go out to, does he go out to right tackle and compete with a Kelvin Beecham 
yeah, Leonard Davis is a great example. I, you know, of course, Leonard Davis ultimately went out to left tackle and wasn't that good. He's no, actually but, better interior. But Leonard Davis ended up going and playing guard for the yeah, Cowboys right. and was a stud. Yeah. Didn't Will Hernandez play left guard? Uh, he has in the past, yes. So that could be your option? Yes. Sure. Yep. And, and I think that's yep. very possible. Again, Did we you, all just come to agree, should the Cardinals draft an offensive lineman? Well, they should drop an <laughs> offensive lineman. Whether it's their first-round pick, I don't know. But See, and I named the Cardinals offensive line with Paris Johnson left to right, but I still have no idea who the center is on this offensive line. So that's See, there are two spots, I think, that are underrated, not getting enough play in this year's draft for the Cardinals. One would be center. Yes. And I can't really name a name where they would actually target that guy and who it might be. And tight end is the other one. It's so deep and tight end. I could see them picking up an extra pick when they, let's say they trade out a number three and they're like, yep, we got an extra round two and an extra round three. I'm guarantee you that one of those round three picks now would be earmarked for a tight end. That's just my belief. I think that's coming on day two of this draft. He sounds like he knows something, Danny. By the way, by the way, a player did, you know what I do know is a player did tell me that Josh Jones looks phenomenal, that he won the offseason so far. Now, we'll see if he can win himself a job in a long-term future with the Arizona Cardinals and in the offensive line room. So uh, he definitely he looks good. We'll see because his future is on the line. He's in the final year of his deal, and we'll see what, what that means. Obviously, the Cardinals have designs on, on redoing their, their entire offensive line. But, yeah, look, they're going to build from the inside out, I think. This stat, if you want to go full circle from where we started, we started this whole draft process saying Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, one, two, three. I also started the draft process by saying if I'm Monty Asifort, I came in and I looked, here you go, guys, get your bingo cards. I looked at all the recent pages of NFL Cardinals draft history, and I said to myself, let me get this straight. In the last 15 drafts, there have been exactly two offensive linemen drafted in the first two rounds and two defensive linemen drafted in the first two rounds over the last 15 years. If nothing else, I think I can say with certitude, that's about to change. Calais and Kim Dietschy? Calais was actually right before that stat. He was 2008. So 2009 through 22. So you would have, so it was Kim Dietschy and Dan Williams. Dan Williams. Dumpster Dan. Both late first round. Yes. And then the two offensive linemen drafted in round one or round two over well, the last hump. 15 drafts. Yep. Hump would be one. And now he traded away to New England. Traded in, away to New England. Injured, in, injured in his third preseason game. Oh, uh, Jonathan uh, Cooper. Cooper. Yep. Yes. Yep. So he was part of the Chandler Jones deal. Um, so there I you go. I started thinking of that other offensive lineman they traded to the Patriots. I'm like, he was like a sixth round pick. Yeah, Mason Cole, I think. No, was no, Mason no? Cole. No, it was, Mason it was Cole? the big tackle. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cunningham. Zach Cunningham. No, no. Uh, Corey Cunningham. Corey Cunningham. There you go. Thanks, Elmo. Yep. So you're my hero. That's just you know. And, and look, when you draft an offensive lineman in round one, or that's your first pick in the draft. It's kind of deflating a little bit, right? You're out there at the draft party, and you you, know, you want the highlight reel, and you want all those, you know, sort of. I guess maybe for fans, I would still be yeah. excited for all the yeah. reasons Paul's we just talked about. Paul's already getting concerned. You know, I'm, I'm like, fair. okay, how are you selling that to the crowd, you know, a little bit? But, but when the season starts, you're darn glad that you went offensive or defensive line when you can't protect the quarterback and or you can't stop the run. So... Just say that. Mm-hmm. Just say that at the draft <laughs> right. party. Just admonish everyone right off the top. I'll be, I'll, <laughs> look, I'll be preemptive, and I'll talk down to everyone. That'll be really endearing <laughs> to the crowd. <laughs> no doubt that'll be good. That's, uh, by the way, Bucky Brooks, in his latest uh, mock draft that came out today, Bryce Young, otherwise known as Steph Curry on grass, Tyree Wilson, number two, and then Will Anderson, number three. So Cardinals still get Will Anderson. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I did see where Ian Rappaport did say that, yes, there's a, this is about as much of an unknown in any draft year that he can remember, although I would uh, evoke recency bias on that one to a certain degree. Do you have a sleeper pick? Because For the I, first round? For you know someone who might fall to the Cardinals, maybe a top round two. You know, oh. the, you know the guy I'm pulling for is the Clemson defensive tackle who was the number one high school recruit in the country three years ago and had an injury-plagued and really just had a lot of bad luck in his Clemson career, which is the massive defensive tackle, 6'6", 325, Brian Brissy. Heard that name. 
We'll see. I, I, mean, I get very concerned about talking about, yeah, he would have been really good, but he was hurt all the time. Yeah. His true freshman year, 2020, he was first team all ACC. Mm-hmm. And then he had a series of injuries and other challenges. Tore so his, he's the defensive Rondale Moore? He tore his ACL. Good analogy. Thank you. Had shoulder surgery, uh, missed three games with a kidney infection, missed a game with strep throat, and then tragically – in September of this last season, he, he died, and then it was all no, over. No, <laughs> he lost a family member oh, to cancer, and it was you know it messed him up mentally. Anyway, he he was Maybe overweight. How do you feel out. now, no, Darren? I'm, I'm just, thinking we're gonna have was, to cut that out. He was he was overweight, and uh, you know the whole thing. It was rough. It was a rough college career, other than his freshman year when he's first team All ACC. His next two seasons, wow, it's just one calamity after another. I, but he is a uh, again, massive, talented, just nimble dude on the inside. That I'm injuries wa- just, I mean, you're without Zach Allen and JJ Watt. You've got to find someone. Yes, but the, the injuries don't scare you. A little bit. The torn ACL definitely scares me. I mean, me. Yeah. again, a torn ACL. I mean, that's not. I don't know. I just. What I'm saying is a guy like that does not fall to the top around two without everything oh, I just cited. You're absolutely correct, but. But then he does. It's like Jalen yeah, yeah. Carter doesn't fall out of the top two if he yeah. doesn't have issues. Like these, right. these things have to be considered, yeah. Paul. I get it. I get it. So it's like that line in yeah. the in the few good men where he's like talking about like, is there anything I missed? You know, or you mean other than the dead body? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can segue out of that, um, uh, Danny. What we do know is that Monty and JG apparently agree on the players that they've evaluated at the top of the draft based on what we got in the Q&A with JG at the uniform unveiling, right? Tell that little anecdote. Right. Uh, I think you asked that question of if Jonathan Gannon had a player he really liked, and he said yes, and then the fans erupted, which was pretty exciting. And he said that they, um, he and Monty Awesomefort did an exercise where they said, okay, let's, let's write out each our top ten players. And they had eight of the same ten players. Now, I don't know if that means top ranked. I don't know if that means top 10 players for us that we would like or if it was in the same order or they were just on the same page. But it does make you feel good that they are seem to be vibing. So I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the ESPN story revisiting the, the time when the Vikings screwed up their pick. and, and Oh, yeah. So Their time expired on the yeah, clock. So back in 2000, I'm trying to remember what draft that was. Um but the, the Vikings were supposed to pick at 7. They were trying to trade down. They thought they had a trade with the Ravens at 10. I think it was a 2003 draft. Um, and uh, they thought they had a, a pick. For whatever reason, the trade didn't go through. The Vikings didn't realize that their time on the clock expired. Uh, at that point, and I think it's still the rule, if the time expires and the team hasn't made a pick, then it's first come, first serve for the next person in line. So the next team in line was the panthers maybe uh i forget who it was they ran up to the the panthers were one of them two picks went in before the vikings could get theirs pick in so instead of seven at nine now they wanted to take kevin williams the defensive tackle the whole time but wow but they didn't get a jordan wow. gross went oh jordan gross went eight and I, I again i don't remember who ran up real quick uh with their pick ahead of them the reason i bring up the story is part of that article was Paul Allen, the uh, famous Vikings announcer who uh, has been on our folktales for the yes. end of the 2003 yep. season, the Great famous McCown to Pool thing. He also, like yourself, hosts their draft party. And the way he tells the story, the, the fans were so angry when they finally made the Kevin Williams pick. One, because they thought their team had screwed up, which they had, but also because... <laughs> While they were waiting for the pick, he and the his co-host started leading chance for Terrell Suggs to be picked. And so when they took Kevin Williams and Suggs was still on the board, the Ravens took him very next to 10. A lot of people were upset. And a side story to this was Paul Allen used that as leverage to saying, hey, you need to tell me who we're going to pick or who our possibles are so that when I'm at the draft party, I at least don't start starting a chant for somebody who we will have no chance in taking. Maybe don't do that, Paul. 
See, if you're the announcer for the Rams, you don't have to worry about that because the last time the Rams made a first-round pick was 2016. So, you know, that's maybe that's the moral of the story there. They make there. very pretty uh, draft videos. They do. Consider. Yeah. So, you know, the best thing about the Rams draft is they're actually their pre-draft video starring the the uh, stars Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. This it was year. pretty good. Pretty good, Last yeah. year they had a really good one. I think yeah. it was last year. Although as uh, some smart Alec, imagine that on Twitter, responded a Rams fan and the message board said, oh, great, we spent more on our Malibu draft house for the video than we did on players and free agency. Which I'm sure they saw that coming. Which isn't entirely untrue, actually, because uh, the Rams have, have been, uh, it's been the purge with the Rams trying to get rid of payroll before anything. Uh, so, by the way, Scott Pioli was just on the screen, NFL Network. Did you hear his, his famous little anecdote? This might be my favorite story of the pre-draft process. He said when he was in New England's front office, he kept a framed photo of the fifth-round pick, year 1999, on his desk. Some complete unknown. It was a tight end, Dave Stachelski, something like that. I don't know. Look it up. Do you know why he kept this photo of this fifth-round pick from 1999 that the Patriots made? Is it because the sixth-round pick was Tom Brady? Exactly. Yeah. And it was a reminder, you're not that smart. Reminder to themselves that, yeah, we got Tom Brady, would, right. but we almost screwed right. it up. Right. But if you would have known Tom Brady was going to be the all-time greatest, would you have waited until round six? So you really didn't that's, know. That's mm-hmm. the thing about the Tom Brady thing and everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many? T- every team passed on Tom Brady multiple times. Yes. Multiple times. Yeah. So um, what else? Any, any wants, needs, wishes in this draft? I mean, Danny, you know, you're going through some of these – Players' names, you know, anyone else I threw out there, the Brian Brissy, is there uh, anyone out there that, that catches I, your eye, Darren? I would just like to say I, you mentioned earlier that hopefully the DeAndre Hopkins thing is mm. settled. I'd like to, whether it's a move on or a not move on, I, I wouldn't mind having that be settled. That's just me. Well, if I'm, if that trade does happen, does that change the way you draft a wide receiver? I know this isn't a very deep draft class. If you're the Cardinals and that trade goes through on Thursday, is that suddenly a priority I, on I, Friday? I don't know if it's a priority. I think about it heavily. But again, there we could go down the list, don't you think, Danny, and come up with I, – I feel like we could come up with five or six positions that we would say, those are, that's a priority. Edge, oh, that's a priority. Cornerback, priority. Defensive line, Priority, offensive line, priority, probably a wide receiver, priority. You're saying tight end, probably? Tight end. I put tight end ahead of so receiver. What, it's easier to say what is not a priority. Yes. Running back, quarterback. I mean, I got fans that are wondering why why I had running back as, a, as I think I had medium or maybe low, but they, they thought that should be really high. Running back. Well, again. No. I agree. Are we that. just going to assume, this is where are, I do are we gonna assume the that the Cardinals are safe at safety? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny you say that because even if Buddha stays, which I think he's going to stay, after Buddha and Jalen, who are we talking about? Right. Oh boy. Well, that's that's the silver lining is pretty much whatever the Cardinals draft is addressing a need. A plus. Can I just say this from the D Hop Trade Update Desk? Um, the Steelers are picking number thirty-two overall. Do you know why? Because they got a round two pick from the Bears last year for Chase Claypool. If they got a round two pick for Chase Claypool, think can the Cardinals at least get a round three pick for DeAndre Hopkins? I, I get it. The whole contract yeah, demands. Contract thing I, is a I big get thing. it. But I think there will be enough demand out there for DeAndre Hopkins. Teams realizing there's nothing left in free agency. There's nothing for sure with a rookie receiver, especially in this year's class. From your lips to God's ears, so, ball. I'm trying to speak it into existence. Kansas City, I'm talking to you. Talking to you, Buffalo, did you see your offense in that playoff loss to Cincinnati? You had Stefan Diggs, and the next best receiver was named Jack, last name Squat. Okay, so you got to figure it out, these other teams out there, if you want to contend in the AFC. And, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is in the AFC now, so you better feel some urgency to ramp up your roster if you're one of the big three in the AFC, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. I love how Paul, like, over this podcast, indirectly is trying to shame all these teams and coming up with a good trade for DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) 
They've been playing hard to get, these you teams. You crazy people. Yes, they've been playing hard to get, but you know you would benefit greatly, and you know you're not going to be able to find anywhere near the caliber of DeAndre Hopkins to plug into your offense and make a difference. I said it when we recorded our draft primers. I'm going to say it again. Paul, we just need to put you in the war room. We'll find somebody else <laughs> to host right. the draft party. Sure. We'll put you on the phones. Yep, exactly. You'll be the negotiator. Yeah, no. No, I'll be the guy. I'll be going to get the coffee and the sandwiches. That's 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 where I'll end up doing. Uh, there, there's no question about that. Uh, any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, by the way? Can I just say this? I about had no time. idea. The Jets had one primetime game last year. It was the mandatory Thursday night game against Jacksonville. Do you know the last time the Jets were in a Sunday night football game? It was 2011. Think about that. A New York team? Think of over a decade since they've been featured on Sunday night football. They're going to go from one primetime game last year to the maximum six. Do we disagree? They're going to get six primetime games. I'm, I remember them playing Monday night here uh, in 2016, I believe. You yeah. know what would be David comical Johnson. is the Packers using their first round pick on a wide receiver. I don't see that happening, but that would. But be it really would be comical. comical. By the by the way, let's just say this: maybe the Packers will trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Paul, get on that. Come on, Paul. It was the Jordan Love draft pick that supposedly, reportedly, allegedly sparked the fire in the gut of Aaron Rodgers. And what did he do? He responded with two straight MVP awards. Right? Don't say spark and Aaron Rodgers in the same sentence. <laughs> so now, now he he escapes the darkness of Green Bay and he's going to New York and if he's all motivated again look out honestly I I think he's gonna put in an MVP caliber season I, I really do I think when he's when he's cheesed off Maybe. and he's triggered look out but you need to remember Zach Wilson said he's gonna make the new veteran quarterbacks life hell and practice every day when that's right the Jets were making it known yeah. they were interested yeah. in for look sure. for another quarterback mm -hmm. so yeah okay all right, so uh, down the stretch we come. Uh, let it be known, who do the Cardinals take in at number three or do they trade out? It's your last chance. What are you thinking, Darren? Trade. I think they trade out. You didn't even bring up the uniforms yet. Oh, that is we right. We haven't talked yes, about the uniforms. That, that is right. Okay. All right, reactions. Here we go in three, two, one. Your thoughts on the uniforms, Darren Urban. I thought the duo of Danny Sarek and Paul Calvisi were fantabulous hey. rolling those out. No. Um, Dan Thanks. Danny crushed it. Um, yours truly was just a malaprop waiting to happen. Um, as for the uniforms, although I did enjoy the little gift that somebody created of you trying to help Jonathan Gaines. Don't, don't, want, don't want to talk about that. The wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. I don't feel like getting fined for that. Uh, no, I look. I with the uniforms for me. Uh, I can tell you that my sons each bought one already. Really? Yeah. And. Who? They oh no they they they've been burned too many times they got custom ones with their own names on it so okay um, and I will say I I I've been around I was around the day that the players the those key players all got to see them for the first time um, and they genuinely were excited so I that's what I care about I care about what if the players care you know I I've never been a huge uniform person I understand there's people that. Wanted some other different things, but I think they're they're good, and I think it was good a good time to change. They're modern, they're clean. I know people saying they're safe, but but people like them. I like them. I think the white ones are pretty fresh. Um, I think I think they're going to look good. Players like just one color. That that was a unanimous yeah. takeaway from all the players. It's was be all white, all yeah, red, or yeah, all they, black. Yeah, they just want one color scheme. That that's that's what they want. Head to toe, they just want a, a single color. I mean. Or at least jersey and I pants. understand, but I go back, like, when the Cardinals changed uniforms the last time, it's the same thing all the time. People were like, eh, and I understood that, I get it, and all that stuff. And you know what? Nobody gave a flying flip about what those uniforms looked like when the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl in 2008. So, Look, the underrated part of the uniforms to me is the bird head is a little bit bigger. A little bit. And, on, the, on the helmet. On the helmet. Yeah. It fills the helmet a little bit more. I like that. It's got, like, a little 3D shadow now. Yep. Yep, I, I like the birdhead logo. How about I thought the that silver face mask, Paul? Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, They're not gray anymore, people. And, you know, I, I like the difference of in the away and the alternate jerseys, the white and black stitched on the inside on the collar. It says bird gang, but then in the home uniforms, those red ones, it says protect the nest. I like that subtle mm -hmm. difference. Somebody was complaining about that, though. Like, we can't see it, so what does it matter? Oh, yeah. <sighs> 
again, some of these things are for the players too. No. Uh, you know, no. again, they're uniforms. Uh, no. You know, people will be happier if you win in them. So, all right. I think that uh, our work here is done. Uh, Not quite. No? Uh-oh. What I do we just, got? Can we address the thought that having your new general manager and your new head coach and some of the coaching staff yeah, yeah. go out and support your franchise quarterback at the unveiling of his Heisman statue makes them unprepared for the draft? Because let me tell you what would have happened had nobody from the Cardinals coaching staff showed up. The team would have been ripped for not supporting their franchise quarterback. So you know what? And and here's what's frustrating to me is that I'm sure everyone saw online that because Jonathan Gannon, Monty Awesomefort, and some of the coaches were in Norman, Oklahoma this past weekend with Kyler Murray, was saying that because they were out there, they, they weren't prepared for the draft. And it was, you know, ridiculous on their part, first time GM, to the weekend before the draft not be in your office. As if Monty Austinfort didn't tell us hours prior that their draft board is 95% closer to 100% done. The fact that you don't think that they didn't hop on a private jet that morning, do what they needed to do, and then get back to where you could also work on the plane. And also, believe it or not, the coaching staff in the front office takes a couple of hours to eat, sleep, not be in the office, do these things, and make sure they're there. I love the fact that they went and they surprised Kyler Murray and they were supporting him at that statue unveiling. Let's make very clear that I only saw one person driving that narrative. Now, he happens to be a fairly important NFL media type, and I get that. Um, But he was the only one, and he got a beatdown on Twitter. He got a beatdown on his own show by his partner, um, I mean, he was wrong and he kept doubling down instead of just taking the L and that's, you know, that's up to him. I, I don't, I didn't see anybody saying something about Kyle Shanahan being at the Warriors game Saturday night. I didn't see <laughs> uh, right. somebody, somebody push, put out a old screen cap of a, uh, talking about in 2014, he, they said the saints people, which at the at the time were Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. Uh, they got out of there early on Friday, the weekend before the draft, so they could all go to Vegas. I mean... Right. Look, I, the reality is that, yes, Monty Osseford is the ultimate decision maker, and Jonathan Gannon has input. But when it comes to those picks on day three, which is maybe where you would still have some work to do the weekend before the draft, that's really left up to Dave Sears, all the scouts... You know, the Drew Grigsons. I mean, those are the guys who at that point are truly grinding the unknowns that are drafted on day three. I I am. This is bigger picture now. Okay, I am one of those people that says. These people work too much. I didn't say they didn't work hard. I said they work too much. It's pointless. There is there is a such thing in economics as the law of diminishing returns. And most NFL personnel people Failed to grasp that, in my opinion. Do I? I mean, they put in all these hours every year. Even those that this person we're talking about would talk about, oh, they grind all through the weekend. And is their drafting really that much better than other teams? No. Go look it up because it's a freaking crapshoot. And yeah, you can do, you can do research, and you have to do your homework. And there are bad picks, and there are bad drafts. Don't get me wrong, but like. Just earlier, you were just talking about how the Seahawks crushed it. Oh, by the way, the Seahawks were dog breath in their yep. drafts about the for, previous for four or five years before Almost that. a decade between, so, between when they crushed it with Russell yes. Wilson and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman. There was a 10-year drought. And guess what? They didn't really change what they were doing. They were trying to work as hard as they were from the Sherman draft to this draft. It's just... I don't know. I just I, mean, I, I get tired of it. Think about it. At number three overall, we cited the Grinds likes. Of, my gears. Right. We cited the likes of uh, Solomon Thomas and Dion Jordan, Marcel Darius. Right. Those those types. Right. You know who else recently has gone at number three? Just a quarterback alone, Trey Lance. You traded three first round picks for Trey Lance, who's now on the block. Jeff Okuda, who just got traded away for a fifth round pick. Sam Darnold, number three overall. On his third team, yep. Blake Bortles, number yep. three overall in 14. 
I mean, Dante Fowler in 2015 was number three overall. He's had a solid career, but yeah. not what you're expecting no. out of a number three pick. Uh, Trent Richardson, 2012, yeah. not worth number three overall, no. not even close. No, so again, and and this isn't a, I I agree. I'm, I'm not trying to get too far afield here. I agree with Danny. It was a good gesture. I know there's been a lot out there of, well, the previous group didn't support Kyler as much. I, you know, I... It is what it is, and everybody's doing something. But this is Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Sports' first offseason. They're trying to get on the same page as Kyler. Again, like Danny said, they're taking a private jet. They're flying out Saturday morning. They're leaving Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's just it's not that difficult. It didn't really cost them anything. And that this is even being talked about is other than it's cool that they're supporting them, the dumbest thing on the face of the You earth. don't need to be a hater just to be a no. hater. We'll leave on a positive. You know, how about Anthony Richardson, who's on the screen right over there in his quote the, a couple days ago to NFL.com, quote, as a player, I'm not human. I'm an alien. I don't think I can be compared to anybody. As a person, I'm normal, just a fun-loving guy who likes to make people smile. And then he, this is during some sort of workout, and he was telling the reporter, don't you hear that ball whistle? So, What, what does it sound like? A missile. If, if you've had if, – if you have an ACL tear – that's a red flag. If you're an alien, is that a red flag? Is it? Do you get graded up or down on that? So uh, I, I'm just saying that. Uh, look, um, that for a guy who who had a 53% completion percentage last year, and by the way, since 2010, here's the this stat: isn't trending positive, Paul. Only four quarterbacks selected in round one had a college completion rate under 60% since 2010. So we'll see. We'll see how that works that's, for you. That's positive, that's your Paul. positive ending? No, the positive is this. <laughs> the positive is for the Cardinals. Oh, okay. Because one team will be enticed by the upside. Okay. One team will be sucked in by the potential of Anthony Richardson. And that one team is going to come a-calling and is going to say, you know what, Monty, here's an offer you can't refuse at number three overall. It's going to happen. Somebody will get sucked into the vortex of the potential upside of Anthony Richardson, and the Cardinals will benefit. That's your positive. What's the saying, Danny, the, out of Texas? That I got to say, there are days when we're in here, Danny, and I just feel like Paul missed his calling. He needed to be like a 1930s sound effects guy for the movies. <laughs> Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose. Woo-hoo. That's the positive pre-draft 2023 on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.